Welcome to Into the Garden Podcast. This is Paula Farlin, and I pray that your day is going well. Of course, we are celebrating, well, Christians are celebrating Palm Sunday. Um, and on Palm Sundays, Christians throughout the whole world, they celebrate the day that Jesus triumphantly enters Jerusalem days before his crucifixion. And I noticed that the Gospels, they contain more details about Jesus' last week on earth than on his birth. Palm Sunday, it marks the beginning of Holy Week, the final week of Lent. And it's during this time that we commemorate the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, his arrest later on in the week, his crucifixion on Friday, and then, of course, his resurrection. So, Jesus is um, on his way to entering Jerusalem for the Jewish festival of Passover. And as he entered the city, the gathered crowd placed on his path where Jesus is riding on a donkey. They In his pathway, they uh, throw limbs from the palm trees. And it is said because of the makeup of this crowd that this procession is sometimes called the peasant procession. Around the same time, there was another entry into Jerusalem. And this one was by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. Because of uh, the propensity for violence and rioting uh, against Rome during Passover, Pilate paraded into Jerusalem with a column of Roman soldiers ready to fight to reinforce the troops already in the city. And so they, this is referred to as the imperial procession. So in a sense, there were two processions on Palm Sunday, a peasant procession because of the social makeup of the crowd and an imperial procession because of the display of the military power. So Jesus' procession proclaimed the kingdom of God and Pilate's proclaimed power of the empire. The two processions embody the central conflict of the week that led to Jesus' crucifixion. The two processions represent the tensions and the conflicts everyone faces in their lives, whether it's of the worldview, ideology, theology, what's good, what's bad, what you shouldn't do, what you shouldn't do, uh, what's right, what's wrong. It's just a conflict, a constant conflict. Um, And then there are also inner conflicts that people um, go through and they deal with. 
uh, that fight or that conflict to do what's good and what's evil. It's just always something that's going on and people are searching for peace. Peace from not only the wars and the rumors of wars that we're hearing and experiencing now, but also the inter-turmoil and the inter-wars that are going on with in our own minds and within our own bodies, uh, with our own self-space. And then, of course, there's the conflicts that you may have with other people that we need resolution for, that we need peace for. So, Jesus on Palm Sunday, he places himself and everyone who would follow him squarely in the middle of life's tensions and conflicts. And he presents a choice of allegiance. Is your allegiance to Rome or is your allegiance to follow Jesus and his teachings? And that's the same type of thing that is helping happening today. Where is your allegiance? Where is your loyalty? Where is your trust? What are you placing faith in? Think about it. When you are going through your turmoil and going through your conflict, some of it, or most of it, I, I would say, will settle when you decide what you are going to be faithful to, what word, what teaching, what comfort, what is your alliance to? Are you going to trust in man or are you going to trust in God? And that is the question that we will pose today. Where is your trust? Are you trusting in God? Or are you trusting in man? I like how when I was studying this and researching this, every time I read it, it says that Jesus triumphantly enters Jerusalem and how the people were praising him and they were, oh, also, yeah, we're with you, Jesus. We got your back. And then a few days later, some of those very same people were the ones that were crying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So your allegiance has to be more than just for the time being, or it fits you right now, or it fits your situation now, so hey, I'll remain allegiance to that, and then when something else pops up, I'm going to switch over and I'm going to remain allegiance to that. It doesn't work that way. You must find your source and always remain 
loyal to your source. And for me, my source is Jesus Christ. And I hope it is, he is for you also. Because like I said, the same people that were praising him, days later were the same people that were saying crucify him, crucify him. And then also in Luke chapter 19, it talks about when, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, that he wept over the city because they missed their day of visitation. Don't miss yours. Don't miss your day of visitation. Read that chapter and get more understanding on it. But don't miss your day of visitation from the Lord. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life on this very Palm Sunday. Because, mind you, the crucifixion didn't over. I mean, it wasn't a surprise to Jesus. And Jesus knew his purpose. He knew why his father sent him to this world. So, of course, he asked his father when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane if this cup could pass. But that's that fleshly side or that humanistic side of Jesus letting you know that, hey, yeah, there's going to be times when you're going to say, do I have to go through this? What is the purpose of this? Why am, why am I going through this? But it's always because of your loyalty and your allegiance to God that you will say, not my will, but your will. The Father's will be manifested in your life. Not my will, Father, but your will. I mean, God isn't asking you to be crucified, but he is asking you to crucify your flesh and submit yourself to the will of God where you will find your peace, your joy, your happiness, and all the conflicts within you can be settled. And you can be at peace with yourself and be at peace with others. So as you celebrate or commemorate Palm Sunday, think about it. Take time. To think about your allegiance. Are we going to trust God? Or are we going to trust man? Or the power that we think man has? Okay? Just something to think about on this Palm Sunday. Until the next time. This is Minister Paula Farland, and I want to thank you so much for joining Into the Garden Podcast. May you be blessed to find your true allegiance and your true purpose in life. It's my prayer. God bless you.
have just been diagnosed with a mental illness or you may have a family member who's just been diagnosed and you have, your mind is full of thoughts and you might even yeah. be a little frightened because that's an overwhelming diagnosis. But we want to talk to you in this about how to manage mental illness from a holistic perspective. And probably the very first thing from this diagnosis is your psychiatrist may have said to you that adding medication may be the very first thing that you need to do. Mm -hmm. And taking medication for a mental illness, I mean, that, that can be very frightening. You don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know how it's going to make you act. You don't know, is it going to change you? It can really be a frightening thing. Yeah, and you know, as a pastor who studied the Bible for over 40 years, I can tell you this. It's not a sin to be sick, and it's not a sin to take medication. In fact, a lot of people think that, you know, they're ashamed of taking medicine. Well, why? You know, if my heart doesn't work and I take heart medicine, there's no shame in that. If my liver doesn't work and I, I take liver medicine, there's no shame in that. If my brain isn't working right and I take medicine for my brain, there's no shame in that. There's no stigma to that. It's just part of being uh, a human being and living in a broken world. And that's what we want to talk about is, is how to manage mental illness in a holistic way. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people think if they go and they get a diagnosis and somebody says, okay, here's, here's the illness that you have and here's the medication that, you're, that you have and we also want you to be involved in therapy, sometimes we can think that that's all that's necessary. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes taking medication and being in weekly therapy, dealing with your mind and dealing with your thoughts is incredibly and your emotions, and your emotions is incredibly helpful. But that's not all. You're going to need to work in some other areas. There's some other things that are going to add benefit to you managing a mental illness. Yeah, you might even take it in layers. You might start at the most basic level, which is biological, and that is what's wrong in my body mm -hmm. that needs some medicine. And then what's wrong in my thinking that maybe needs some straightening out of the way that I think? And, of course, uh, a good counselor can help you on that. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors there is safety. In other words, it's wise to get advice from other people. People see things that we don't see. And they can also help us interpret experiences in our life like trauma, uh, abuse, uh, difficulties that uh, we've been unable to even think about ourselves. And you mentioned physically um, that things can go wrong inside our bodies that can lead to mental illness, but also there are things that you can do to control what happens in your body, meaning you and I are totally in control of how much sleep we get. You and I right. are totally in control of, of how we eat. So there are things you can adjust your diet. Um, maybe there's some food you need to cut out. Maybe there's some food. If you're just eating Ho-Ho's and Coke every day for <laughs> breakfast, there's a good chance that's probably not going to help your mental health or your physical health. Yeah. So really take a look seriously at what you're eating, how much sleep you're getting, how much rest, how much yeah. physical activity, because when you add that physical component, it will have an effect on your mental health. What we're saying is that no, uh, no mental health issue is simple. They're all complex. And so there's a biological component that may require medicine. There is a physiological component that could involve rest, exercise, and taking care of your body. Uh, there is a, a, a thought component which can involve helping interpret the experiences of life that make uh, your, your illness either worse or better. And then, of course, there are relationships. Uh, relationships have a profound effect on our lives. Good relationships help us cope better with the natural problems we have. Bad relationships make it worse. 
Yeah, and, and we've found, um, because our son lived with mental illness for mm -hmm. a very, very long time, and in our family and in our relationships, we found that sometimes the relationship became strained, mm -hmm. that, that mental illness caused there to be some chaos, yeah. caused there to be some relationships yeah. that just didn't work well. And as you maybe have just been diagnosed or you're a family member of somebody has, one of the aspects in learning to manage mental illness in a holistic way is to approach relationships. There may be some relationship repair that needs to happen that will help you or help your family member as you guys cope with this diagnosis, this, this sometimes very frightening diagnosis. So we're talking about what you can do. Take well, let, me say, let me say about that too. If you are uh, a loved one of someone who's struggling with mental illness, and uh, they have, you know, isolated you or they have uh, had conflict with you or whatever kind of strain in the relationship. Don't take it personal. Yeah, that, that reminds me because one of the best pieces of advice that we ever yeah. got in helping our son and in our family relationships was to, to not take it personally and to, to listen to the music, not just the words. Because mm. sometimes people who have a mental illness say terrible things. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes people, especially if they're in a particular episode or they're in a, a moment in which they're struggling, they're in, they're in deep pain and they will say things or you will say things that yeah. later you go, why did I say that? I don't mean that. This, yeah. These are people I love. So for us as family members, we learned not to take it personally, to listen to what is what his heart was, not necessarily what his words were. That was a huge piece of advice for us. Yes. But relationships in, in managing mental illness will have to be addressed and, and helped. And of course, your relationship to God is a very important factor. Uh, the spiritual component in mental illness, God has power that nobody else has. The Bible tells us that Jesus has healing power in his words and in his life. You know, uh, many years ago, probably 30 years ago, I went through an entire year of depression. And when I was going through that depression, one of the many things I did, you know, I took some medication, I, I went to see a therapist, but I also read through the book of Psalms. And as I read through the book of Psalms, I underlined every verse that had to do with depression or was a word of encouragement to me. I still have that Bible 30 years later. And when I know someone who is discouraged, somebody's going through a tough time, I'll often open that Bible and flip to those exact verses that helped me through those uh, painful days. Yeah, I would say if you are the person who has just been diagnosed with a mental illness or you're a family member, we cannot overemphasize how you've got to build yourself up spiritually. Mm. There is a spiritual mm. aspect and a spiritual component. And, and to be able to have a group, maybe just maybe there's just two or three verses. You don't have to have you know the whole Bible, but you've got two or three verses that you can hang on to in those moments when you're feeling very low or the pain is so deep. I don't know, there's, there's a place in the Psalms where the psalmist says, darkness is my only companion. Mm. So the, the people in the Bible who wrote the Bible really understand depression, understand pain. Jesus understands it. So not only do you need to have that spiritual strength for yourself, but line up some people who will pray for you. Yeah. I mean, some people who will promise, who will commit to you that they will pray because there is this, this spiritual aspect that, that you've got to manage as we holistically mm -hmm. manage mental illness. Part of a, a, the spiritual component in managing mental illness is to hold on to the promises of God. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And I was talking to someone the other day who was struggling with, had struggled with schizophrenia. And he said the promise, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, got him through his darkest days. Those promises are there that you could hold on to when you can't believe everything you think. 
and you can't believe everything you see, but you can believe everything God says to you. And the more you understand how much God loves you unconditionally, that he sees, he cares, he knows, he grieves, and he can help, these are the spiritual components that you need to hold on to. Yeah, so just just remember that you are not just your mind, you're not even just your emotions, you are a whole being. You are a body, a mm-hmm. soul, and a spirit. And to manage mental illness, don't be overwhelmed by it, Just but to go after this approach, to manage it with medication, yeah. through therapy, yeah. through your body, how you take care of your body, the relationships that may need to be strengthened, and absolutely, at the very bottom line, is strengthening your relationship with God, because He is the best person of all to help you manage. to the end of this edition. So once again, so nice of you all to have joined me and Paula Fallen in that ethereal presence, that omnipotent presence, that sublime presence, that praying presence, that coming together to hearken to what God has to say to you and me presence. That standing in the need of prayer presence. You know, that soulful, joyful, we adore your presence. Wishing you and me that all is well with our soul presence. Yes, once again, we have come to the end of this edition on Sassy Soul, Friend of God. And so I will be playing out with Jesus. I'm in love with you. Once again, please feel free to share this podcast with friends, neighbours, work colleagues or family. But most of all, thank you for sharing the love. Thank you for sharing the word. I'd also like to say a special thank you to Prophet Keith Van Royen and the leaders from Unlimited Ministries, Otteray, for always lifting into the garden up in prayer. So, Soul Sister, Paula Fallen from Orlando, Florida, thank you for 